1: Today, we have a very special guest, a guest who knows everything about good websites, good copy, good designs. And today guest is here to speak and share her knowledge, Reese Spikerman. Welcome to Email Einstein, a
2: podcast by Flowium. It's time to start honing your inner marketing Einstein. Tune in for the data-driven tips that'll make you a marketing genius. Here, you'll find email marketing formulas and tips straight from the brilliant mad scientists at Flowium. It's time for your email emails to start earning more money. It's time to unleash your Einstein. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Email Einstein. Vera and Elisa here with a very special superhero guest. But before we get started, we are two email marketers at an email marketing agency called We are so passionate about email marketing and because we love what we do, we want to share all of our insights with you. The company we work for, Flowium, is one of the fastest growing email marketing agencies in the world. We specialize in providing a premium, full-service e-commerce email marketing experience for all of our clients. And our service is tailored specifically for your business and is designed to help increase your online retail revenue by 20 to 50%. I know those numbers seem crazy, but I promise they're legit. We deliver the right message to the right person at the right moment. That's what we're all about here at Flowium. And a brief reminder before we get into our intro, if you like what we do, please leave us a review. Vera, why don't you take us away with introducing our superhero guest for today?
1: I'm super super glad to do that. So guys, today we have a very special guest. uh, The guest who knows everything about good websites, good copy, good designs. If you wish your emails brought in more consistent sales, if you have any questions about like how bigger brands get key parts of their websites wrong and loose and uh, leads the sales. And today guest is here to speak and share her knowledge. Reese Spikerman. Say hi Reese. <laughs> hey there Vera thank you so much for that intro. I am thrilled oh, to be gosh. here. I have I have more oh. I have more for the intro. Okay, so just off. to begin. <laughs> so we were just talking about um your last name because i've never heard it before and it literally sounds like a superhero last name so that's a very promising beginning so reese (laughs) is an e-commerce conversion expert who has spent more than 15 years working closely with entrepreneurs and brands on their online marketing and today she helps e-commerce brands quadruple their monthly revenue with a website and email conversions optimizations and in addition um she helps her clients, Quintuple, Elisa, am I pronouncing it correctly? Quintuple, yeah. Quintuple. They are revenues. Um, Elisa is my ESL teacher. Just Reese, so so, so you know because it's a hard uh, word. Yeah, so she's, it's a big one. I it mean is. I mean, it yeah, is. I'm learning something new every day. And um Reese <laughs> lived in Malaysia for seven years and she returned to her home off northern Michigan, where she lives with her husband and her dog, and she's a very proud introvert. She loves a fall soup and is constantly playing a Spotify mix of Aliens, Morissette, and Eddie Money. Reese, we're super, super happy to have you here on our podcast today.
0: I'm so happy to be here. And I just forgot that I updated the last line of my bio for you. It used to be playing a mix of Taylor Swift and Toto, but I upgraded Ooh. lately to Alanis Morissette and Eddie Money. Oh,
1: Taylor Swift and Toto. I like that mix. I like it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. my vibe. It's still kind of my vibe. Taylor <laughs> <Swift>. <laughs> yeah. I'm a th- 30-year-old woman and I'm still into <laughs> Taylor Swift. Oh, well, <laughs> that's totally my vibe. <laughs> Having
0: the right communication between your brand and your audience is how you create meaningful connections, building your brand's identity and reputation. Introducing Floeum's Brand Voice course. Create your voice, tone, and learn how to represent your brand across multiple channels. Find out more at flowium.com
2: slash brand voice. Alisa, um, I know you have prepared a cool little game Yes. Yeah. So we actually, as kind of a precursor to this game, we told Reese about it before we started recording and she was like, oh shit, I'm so bad at these. (laughs) So I'm hoping this will be a little more entertaining than what we usually see. But Reese, are you ready? We call this Blitz Q&A. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to ask you a list of different questions. And then the first answer that comes to mind, um, just go ahead and blurt it out. Are you ready?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a choice in the matter. So hit me up
2: yeah <laughs> okay so are you a cat person or a dog person dog it's a crazy okay. one right yeah totally i like I cats I think, though too they're fine okay okay that's all right then that's all right um so if you could learn one new personal skill what would it be oh good lord <laughs> um
0: okay i would learn how to make gelato <gasps> oh Ooh. i like that
1: that's very, very unique. I love that answer. I'm um, okay. totally adding you to, to my friend's list on Facebook. Like, you know
0: how I you s- said I lived in Malaysia? Uh-huh. My goal, mm-hmm. dream would be to take the flavors from Southeast uh-huh. Asia mm-hmm. and bring them into the West with gelato. Mm-hmm. And now it's going to happen. Inevitably, someone will hear this podcast and is <laughs> take that idea and roll <laughs> with it long before I can.
2: So that leads us to our next question. Malaysian food. Yay or nay? Yay. Awesome. Okay. This one might be tough. So if you had to describe yourself as a food, what would you be? This
0: is not so tough. I had to do this for uh, a program I run. So I would be, I did it with vegetable. And I said I would be kale Russian kale because they are hardy. They come up every year without me having to replant them again. They like live all year long through winter. They're reliable and almost every nutrient you need is wow. sitting in that piece of kale.
2: Wow. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it very Unexpected. well thought out. Yeah, yeah I know. That right. worked. That works really well. I know. Um, I got really lucky, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this one. I like this one. Okay. What is your power song? It's got to be Ooh. Taylor Swift. No, <laughs> it's got to be something Taylor Swift is my thinking. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat>
0: It is, but why can't I think of which one it might be?
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Um, oh,
0: come on, you guys got to help me. Like, I love 1989. That's my favorite album of hers. Yep. So it's yep. It needs yep. to be something yep. off of that.
2: I'm thinking. Oh, so some, is someone looking it up? It sounds like it. I am. I am. I am looking this okay. up right now. So what about so? Shake it off. Bad nah. blood. Classic. Bad blood is a badass song. Yeah, um, it is. Blank space. That's my jam. I think that's my jam. Welcome to New York. Style out of the woods. Um, I wish you would wildest dreams. Mm, This love. I think how you get the girl. I know places clean. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just listing them all off.
0: I know you are. (laughs) I guess. I guess I'd have to say out of the woods. Mm, But I got another one for you that I forgot about. I really like, have you heard of the band, The Killers? Yes. Uh, Yep. So they got this song called Miss Atomic Bomb. And it really, I play that when I need to get my shit together and do something. So it's a power song for me. Okay,
2: cool. I like it. I like it. Um, Okay. And then very last one, Baby Panda or Baby Penguin? Penguin. Yay. I love it. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So now that we've got the serious stuff out of the way, let's get to the fun (laughs) stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Reese, we'll start and we usually start our interviews in this way. Tell us about yourself and more specifically, how did you get into e-commerce?
0: Yeah, well, I'll answer the second part first, because (laughs) I basically saw an underserved but growing market in e-commerce. And my background for more than 15 years was in website design and copywriting And a few years ago, I began to take on more e-commerce clients. And what I found was the unique needs of this particular type of business is a really good fit for how my brain works. Because for me as a designer, it's always been really important that design is usable, it's functional, Mm -hmm. and that the copywriting is more about them, the end customer, the end person reading it, than the person who's writing it. And when you put those two things together and you do them well... Mm. That's when e-commerce is done right. But I actually saw Mm -hmm. a lot of e-commerce sites that are, they're missing the mark on these. And I don't mean that in a judgy way. I just think people are not educated well on this and on how to put this all together. And so that's why I shifted my business primarily on e-commerce because I also saw like this industry is booming. Right. I could see the Mm -hmm. writing
2: on the wall. That's perfect. Yeah,
1: totally. Totally.
2: It seems like you really predicted that well, given the last year that we've had Um, (laughs) e-commerce seems to be the one and only now with everything that's happened. So yeah, when uh, there are a ton of people who I know Vera can, can speak to this too is, when everything started to kind of, when shit hit the fan, let's just put it bluntly, right? We at flowing were like, oh my gosh, what is this going to do? How is this going to impact us? Mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. impacted us in the exact opposite, the opposite way that it did for a lot of other people. And we're all just kind of shrugged our shoulders and we we're like, okay, I guess e-commerce is the place to be. So uh, you definitely called it. <laughs> yeah. I would say for sure.
0: I had the same thing. I remember back in March slash April, I was, I'm not the kind of person who gets really overly worried, but I was thinking, you know, what's, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen? What's going to happen to my business? And
1: holy (laughs) crap, like everything blew up,
0: right? Just like oh, we yeah. did for you.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, you've started sort of talking about design briefly, and I can't tell you how many times like we have this new client or with a stunning uh, website. But when you go there and you start like searching for a particular product on the web, and you're very like drawn to to the website because the graphics is amazing, the design is like beautiful, imagery mm-hmm. is beautiful. But you try to navigate to a page where you can actually. Learn more about the product, but you become confused and you get lost and you have no idea what to do next and you get frustrated and you ended up like leaving that website. And, and you keep telling that pretty doesn't sell. So, what does sell, Reese? What does sell and what do the biggest dogs of e commerce do differently?
0: Mm, I appreciate this question so much. First, what you just described, what you experience, the beauty is actually getting in the way, right? Mm-hmm. And
2: yeah, it's true.
0: It is. And it's, it's almost like it's too much noise, even if it looks really pretty. And mm-hmm. the opposite is not what people need to do. I'm not at all right. advocating that we need to be ugly. Right. I basically see when someone's new to e-commerce, they'll get fixated on one of two things when it comes to how their website looks mm-hmm. is what you described. So they either think it needs to be very stylish, trendy, like this gorgeous, subtle, nude tone color palette. They think the wrong things need to be emphasized, like their company logo right, or big, beautiful fashion headlines. And like you described so well, Vera... That has nothing to do to help people make a buying decision. Mm-hmm. The other thing that people will do that I often see is they they get fixated on adding a lot of bells and whistles,
1: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm.
0: things that are animated, things that are popping up, making. The, I used to work with clients all the time that wanted their logo bigger, and I it was very hard for me to explain to them like, how is this helping your customer? Do they care about <laughs> yeah. the size of your logo? And mm-hmm. the, the sites that are high converting, that are made and designed for converting. They actually use really clean and minimal foundations. And what this does, it makes the products the star of the show. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's a very intentional structure to their layout and what's emphasized. So for example, in one of the trainings I created for the group program I run, for women in e-commerce, it's all about how to make a high converting homepage, e-commerce homepage. And there's context that goes into this decision making. So for example, if you have a really small catalog and you're an indie brand, you don't have a lot of PR, you don't have big brand recognition, you probably want to structure that homepage in a way that tells the story of your products and brand through the lens of your customer, through what's going (laughs) to grab and hold your customer. And if you have a bigger catalog, right? Like you've got, let's just throw out 30 or 50 SKUs or more, right. you need to approach it a little bit differently. And you, I advise them like to make a hierarchy on their homepage that show your products, they're organized and grouped together in a way that helps customers really quickly understand what categories and products are relevant to them. But if you'll notice, I didn't say you need to have the most beautiful color palette or big fonts. A more minimal palette, a focus on your products, little bits of text that help your customer understand what's in it for them is so much more important than pretty or fancy. And if you think about a brand like Apple and you go and you look at their website and what they do, it's mostly white. They've got product pictures and headlines and your eye is moved down this page in a really intentional way. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean by pretty isn't what doesn't isn't what is going to sell.
1: Yeah. And um, there is this brand and it's not a brand. They are architectural bureau. They are super famous in Europe. It's called the Angels Group. And these guys are obviously all about design. They build the most badass buildings like in the world, like literally right now. But when you go to their website, it's like the most confusing thing ever like literally ever. You cannot find like about the brand. I mean, it looks amazing. It's very beautiful because they are so like design oriented. But just like you said, Reese, sometimes it has to be about the product and not about you necessarily, because the product mm-hmm. is the star of the show. So I love how you put it. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah.
2: So aside from like overly phenomenal, pretty, wonderful, beautiful, incredible design that is clearly not directed towards like easy customer use. What would you say, Reese, are the three biggest problems on websites that typically send customers away or make them just leave the site out of frustration? So out of all the prettiness, what are like kind of the three biggest mistakes that people make, would you say?
0: Yeah, it's hard, Alisa, to narrow it down to three, but mm-hmm. these are, I'm going to list more common ones I see that are sure. really big issues. So the first one is your website's loading too slowly. Mm -hmm. And speed rules the game right now. Yeah. Google's research shows that if someone comes to your website on their phone, and we know like this is happening more and more people are shopping on their phones, 50% of people who visit on their phone is going to, are going to leave if that site isn't loading in three seconds or less. And oh. you fix this by reducing the script you're using, by optimizing your image. You you can also do things like something called lazy loading. It delays the loading of images until a certain point in the browsing process. and. And fixing and diagnosing speed issues is a bit of a landmine, but I want to, for your average person listening, share a free tool I like to recommend so they can get an idea of where they're at and what might be creating more weight on their site. And it's, Yes, please. Yeah, all you do is you go to tools.pingdom.com and you pop your website URL into there and kind of get a diagnosis of where you're at. And then that way you'll know, if my site is loading at nine seconds,
1: yeah, it's well, a maybe disaster. that
0: video you're loading at the top of the page isn't doing you any favors. <laughs> okay. Right?
2: right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's number one. <laughs> and number two, I'm so curious how often you ladies see this. People have social media icons in the header of mm-hmm. their website. Let's think about what happens. <laughs> they click that, and the They're assumption gone. on the business owner is this. Well, they'll go follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Right, right. No, uh-uh. They're going to go to Instagram and go see, like, what Cousin Bob is up to or whatever it is that interests <laughs> them, and <laughs> they have forgotten about you, and you have just sent them off your website. That's it's just true. They do not belong in the header. They need to be in the footer. So the fix mm-hmm. is move them down to the footer and do not make them obvious. Don't make them different colors. Make them subtle, subdued, and optional
1: basically. Yeah. What do you think? Do you see this a lot? Same same in emails actually. I've noticed mm-hmm. and we work with e-commerce uh emails, so that's our like specialization. And uh I've noticed oftentimes people do have this beautiful footers or not a footers, uh the headers in the emails that send people to their Facebook group or to their yep. Instagram or something. And uh yeah and when we are looking at how many people are clicked to what links, usually the top CTAs get the most clicks. And it's like naturally because that's like the way we browse, right? So instead of going to the main email CTA, which was the actually the idea, the main idea at the beginning to send those people to like that certain web page or something, they are going to Instagram. You a 100% right on this one. And I never mm-hmm. even thought about it this way. But now when you said it, I'm like, yeah. It yeah, makes we have totally to look st- out for that stuff. Yeah, yeah for sure. Totally and that's makes why sense. like
2: whenever a client wants to incorporate like a YouTube video on their YouTube mm-hmm. channel or whatever, we try to stay as far away from that as possible in emails because people click on it. And then once you're in the YouTube black hole, that's yeah. the end of your next three days. So <laughs> yeah, we're like, let's not leave people that, that way. Let's keep them on your website. So that totally makes sense. Absolutely.
0: Yes. yes. And I feel like we pro- could probably come in For a separate podcast and go down a whole darn rabbit hole, because I'd love to hear you talk about using fancy graphics and emails Mm -hmm. like HTML emails and making them look too pretty. But that will completely like sidetrack us from this. But it just made me think about what you must deal with at times with clients in emails and them also doing what we've just talked about, trying to make it look too fancy or
1: pretty. Right. Yeah. We are constantly like testing the email. We do the A-B testing. And I was surprised how many times the simple emails perform better than those like fancy HTML ones when you're like literally sending the text email, text-based email. That's it. No header image, no hero image, no nothing. And very often they do perform much better yeah. in terms of like engagement and click-through rates and even for some reason, open rates. So yeah, that's interesting to to see these things.
0: Yes. And I think a lot of it is because a customer sees that email and they think it's an ad and no one wants to read an ad <laughs> that's true yep. they want to read a letter from a human being yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah for sure
0: yeah so let's let's talk about not the third <laughs> one that will send people away from your site the website isn't focused on the customer so what i mean is the business is using words like language and words like i me us and they have copy That's about their features or their research and development. We spent 20 years making this thing and it's like they have product pages with maybe one to two photos and a really cursory, bland product description. And there's no information to help your customer make a buying decision. So the fix to this is to remember that customers care about themselves and they want to know really quickly like how your product Mm -hmm. will solve a problem for them or or a desire or both. And they need to understand, so what? They don't care about you. They care about whatever. Whatever it is that you're offering can do. For them,
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And it just like gives me some uh, flashbacks from the 90s when they had this like shampoo commercials, and they were talking about the formula and what peptides they are using. And like the guys, the doctors in white coats were explaining the chemistry behind it. I was like, No, that's not what I care about. I just want my hair to look like Priyanka Chopra's hair. That's pretty <laughs> much all I want. And that's, yeah, that's totally, totally true. <laughs> exactly
0: and since you since flowium is all about email this even comes into play on the website where i see a lot of times people will have email lists sign up like they'll have a box for it or it's in the footer and inevitably the text i see is something like sign up for our newsletter which is all about them it's all about the business and if you think about it from the customer's point of view why would i do that you have given me no compelling reason to do that so when you shift your thinking to be more customer-centric it sounds like this get weekly authentic malaysian recipes free in your inbox Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you need to offer a carrot an incentive and you need to make it about the customer no one's going to sign up for your
2: newsletter just because you think it's Right, right 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 yeah it's very true and also, people will maybe sign up if it looks cool, but the looking cool only goes so far. So, going back to that, pretty doesn't really sell. It's right. making it customer centric, like you're talking about. So that makes and a Lisa, lot of sense. We
1: literally just talked about it yesterday, right? I about know about the pop-up forms and exit intent forms, welcome forms, delivering some sort of value. Yep. So that's that's what we are all about in Flowing, delivering the value before asking them to do something. So yeah,
2: correct. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm writing notes here where I'm like, wow, I think I've been strategizing some of my emails all wrong because <laughs> it, sometimes you focus so much on like, wow, this product or this brand has done X, Y, and Z, but realistically the customer doesn't care unless it has a direct impact on them. So because the brand has done X, Y, and Z, what does that mean for the customer? If it doesn't mean anything, then there's no point in talking about it. So definitely something that's noteworthy. I'm actually like here taking yes. notes on my on my side of things. <laughs> Uh, Alisa, too, I'm
0: so glad you brought that up because you just helped give a really good tip for people, which is this, you need to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. So you might have something that's really interesting in your product, but people cannot usually for themselves connect the dot as to why this matters in their life. It's either they're unable to, they can't think that way, or they're impatient. Mm -hmm. uh, They don't have the time. So you need to say, well, in, in the case of Vera's example, our shampoo has peptides. Which help make your hair shiny and bouncy like whoever it was you said that you liked hair. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah. I've noticed with some of my clients that usually the best performing emails are those before afters, you know, the best performing campaigns. So here is how your eyelashes looked before our um, eyelash serum. And here's an after and I'm a sucker for this kind of content too. I just want to know what this product can do for me. I don't care as much about how ethically sourced you are, but maybe it's just like me, but I just care about the result. Mm-hmm. And that's like number one thing for me me and then i go and and check out their story and check whether or not they are like organic certified and, and stuff like that but that's that's like my personal preference i know that a lot of people might view it differently mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah i think we're going to talk about that a little bit when we in this interview when we talk about the customer journey because i want to address what you were saying you might see it one way and another customer mm-hmm. might see it another way and there's ways to make sure right. that we appeal to both of those types of customer interests. Let's actually
1: talk about customer journey right now. Can you briefly explain to those of our listeners who never heard this term before, like what is customer journey and uh, what does it mean from the website design standpoint? Mm -hmm.
0: Sure. There's a few different frameworks, I guess, for explaining the customer journey, but I'm going to try to simplify it and basically think about it instead of a multi like tons of different phases let's just think that our customers first need to become aware of mm-hmm. us like they don't even know about us so that's one part that's one like stop on the path of the customer journey and then after they become aware they move into a phase where they're starting to make a decision as to whether our products are right for them mm-hmm. right they're kind of researching they're mulling it around in their brain they may be comparing it to other products right. and then, you know, again, wrapped up in a tight bow, ultimately they move into a phase where they're ready to make a buying decision, but they purchase. And after that, sometimes after that purchase decision is made is really an opportunity to continue to be in a long-term relationship with your customer because getting them to that purchase phase, like that kind of final phase in the customer journey is the hardest thing to do. And then once they've made a purchase, it's a lot easier to resell to them. But those are the three basic phases. And these things apply in all facets of your marketing, whether it's, Mm. we're talking emails social media, your website, Facebook ads. And in terms of the website, I can break down for you if you want, what kinds of things you might want to look at in those three different phases, yes, the awareness, please. the
2: decision and purchase. Would you like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be uh, amazing. Okay.
0: <laughs> so
2: the first part,
0: their awareness phase. One thing I want to say is your approach here may need to change and shift depending on the context and i'll give you a really concrete example if someone is coming to a dedicated land product landing page that you've made for just one product and Mm -hmm. they're coming off a facebook ad, they're going to have a different level of awareness and a different even level of desire maybe than someone who arrived at the blog on your website because they did an organic google search related to whatever product it is you're Mm -hmm. selling. So Mm -hmm. with that in mind, from a broader perspective, your goal, your key goal in this awareness phase is you need to hook them. You need to grab their attention very quickly. And you do this with the images you choose, the copy headlines you write. You need to make them aware Your products are solving a very specific problem or fulfilling a specific desire. So if you use generic images and you use generic copy, something that can easily like go on one of your competitor's site and no one would know the difference, that's not going Mm -hmm. to work. Okay, you need to be super, super specific. Or if they're in the awareness stage and they've landed on your blog because they got there, say, through that Google search or some other search, you need to let's just respect our customer and give them enough time to read the freaking thing. Right. Before you load mm. your popover window, before oh, you start 100%. trying to push your products <laughs> on them. Can I get an amen in the house? Okay. How much <laughs> do you hate that? <laughs> like you're reading a blog. You landed there and five seconds later, it's like, want to hop into bed with me? It's just so disrespectful, (laughs) right? agree.
2: It's true. It's true. It's very true.
0: Yeah. So let's meet them where they are. Let them read. Let them dig a bit. Maybe you slip in a link to another article on your site that you want them to read. Maybe you slip in a link to one of your products. So the other thing, and we touched on it in the awareness phase is this. Your site must load quickly. We've covered it, but you're going to lose them, particularly in the awareness phase because they have no skin in the game. You. They don't know anything about you. The mm-hmm. longer your site takes to load, the more they're going to be like, eh, I'm out of here. Yeah. It, there's no loyalty at this point. So we need to grab their attention. We need to hook them and we need to make sure it's happening really quickly. So that's awareness. When you're in a decision phase, they're already aware of you. They're either aware of you or they're aware that they have a problem and they're looking for a product to solve this problem, okay? So it's Mm -hmm. usually one of those two things. Basically, at this point, what you need on your website, you need enough data to help them make a decision. So really tangibly, if we think about your product, pages. You Mm -hmm. want to make information that fits different personality types. And this is what I was getting at a little bit earlier, Vera, is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you might have people who are really logical. So you want to make sure if it's relevant that you have product specs for these people. These Mm -hmm. are like the just the facts kind of people. Give it to me straight up. They need to have really like brass tacks information. But for the people who want descriptions that paint a picture of how your product will change their life, you need to have copy that meets them emotionally. You need photos that show your product like straight up, like, Hey, here it is at different angles. You can zoom in. And then you also maybe want to show a couple of lifestyle photos so that people could imagine your product, how it might be them. for them to use it, yeah. right? When we see it used by another human being, it helps us ho- imagine how we might use it ourselves. So you mm-hmm. can see how like in that decision phase, we want to give them enough data and information to make that decision. So that's that's the decision phase. And then we've got the purchase phase. And this is, I'm looking at this like, this is when they've probably added the thing to their cart, mm-hmm. a product to their cart, or they're they're ready to. They're just at that right. point. So what needs to happen on your website at this point, the most important thing is it's gotta be frictionless. There is nothing standing in the way of them checking out or adding to the cart. So let me give you some examples of friction. You don't have your shipping fees and policies in a really obvious place. And they're gonna get shocked later with a shipping fee that they didn't expect, okay? Or Mm -hmm. not having a digital wallet. Uh, That can make it so much faster to check out. And then Mm -hmm. you can also put in things that, Help reduce their pain because if this is the point, they're pulling out their wallets. They're you know their virtual wallets. Mm-hmm. They're going to pay money. They're really reluctant, right? They're partying with their money. So you need to put things in there that's going that are going to help them feel better about that. So these are things like if you have a guarantee, maybe a logo that shows you have a guarantee, like mm-hmm. thirty days or your money, you know, get your money back or. Mm-hmm trust seals that show that you have a secure site, you know, that McAfee or someone has signed off on it. And then when they're in checkout, let's talk about how do you reduce friction once they've actually like added to the cart, they're on the checkout page. You want your forms to be autofill forms. Digital wallets help with this. But if you, if they aren't using a digital wallet, it's, I'm curious if you guys have seen this. I love this. You go to start typing your street address and they come up with address and suggestions. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. when you pick one, how cool is it, especially when you're on your phone, that they just filled in the city and the state and the zip for you? Like it's just making Super it thin. that much quicker, yeah. right?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much easier. Oh my gosh, so much easier.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. or like here's another one. When they're in the checkout process, let's say you have three steps to checkout. So step one Mm -hmm. is your um, billing information. Step two is shipping. and Step three is checkout. Thank you. Well, there may be more, there may be less, but let them know where they're at. Don't assume the customer knows this. So you can put Mm -hmm. a little navigation in your checkout process that's like shows you all three steps and that they're on like a placeholder. Like basically you are here sort of things so that they know how much is how involved is this going to be how much time is this going to take me where am i at in the process because this helps deal with people's impatience and the fact that they hate uncertainty so we're addressing those things and that's what you do when they are in that purchase part of the journey to help really make it less painful for them and make them not have any friction or roadblocks to to making that final purchase. I'm like
2: taking
1: notes as we speak. I know. Yeah, I like my
2: my, my notebook is packed right now. I have like
1: <laughs> certain clients in mind who I know I can. Now, improve mm-hmm. their checkout process. And like on the other end of the spectrum, there are brands who make you register. Oh my God, do like not do this. Please. I don't even know if they are still doing that. But like a year ago, I saw these brands for sure. But oh my goodness, like that was the reason why I didn't purchase from them because they made me register. <laughs> I'm lazy that for this the kind worst. of thing. It's like the worst. I know. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. make people register to check out. Oh my goodness.
1: Reese, is this like customer journey? Is do you think it's like different for brands depending on like what they are selling and like how expensive the product is, or is it like this pretty much the same for everyone? Well,
0: I definitely think that there's some differences, and let's just think about it really practically and logically. If you have a $25 ring that you're selling Mm -hmm. versus a $450 watch. Right. Depending on who your customer is, there's going to be a longer journey in general with the watch. And more than that, that buyer of that watch is going to want even more extensive information than the buyer of the ring. So when we get into those price ranges, and you're talking about something like a watch at 450 bucks or engagement rings that are 25, $50,000, mm-hmm. your customer is going to want to know, things like what's the workmanship of this product? Are there guarantees? Mm -hmm. How much time was into R&D? Again, keeping it customer focused, but they also want to know they can really trust you as a company. If I lose 25 bucks on a ring, I'm not going to lose sleep. But if I lose $450 on a watch, I'm going to be a little bit cranky. So (laughs) do things like... Make sure you have contact information on your site. Make sure your site is HTTPS and loading securely and not throwing up any errors or flags. <sighs> yeah. Right? Yeah. That sounds
1: so yeah. obvious. Yet, how many brands are not doing that? It's crazy, right? Oh my
2: gosh. There is a client that we were working with that their website, when you check out the checkout process, was so sketchy. Like, I was getting reimbursed for what I was paying for. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing um, this.
0: <laughs> see, if you imagine <laughs> so, like making four or five or six figure buying decision. If you have up those kinds of red flags, that's not going to happen. Yeah.
1: Right. It's not even going to happen with
0: the $25 ring. People are going to know about, they can find a ring somewhere else.
2: Yeah. Well, and they'll feel like their information's being stolen as well. It's even beyond like how much money you're actually spending. But like, is my information going to get compromised? Cause I just plugged in my credit card Mm -hmm. on this page, you know? So yeah, there is a whole like a vulnerability aspect that you have to kind of coach people through because they're putting in very personal information on that, on that specific page of your website. Mm, So 100% such a good point. Yeah. So Reese going off of all of that, would you say that there are any specific ways that you can actually affect your average order size or profit margin per customer specifically with website design tricks?
0: Yeah, there definitely are. And you're going to, this is all a grand experiment. And I want for anyone listening to understand that I am not a believer in like one trick ponies or magic tricks, or if you do this, you will, you know, quintuple, like we were talking about at the beginning of the in- interview, your conversion rate. It just, mm. there's a lot that goes into this, but let's talk about three different things that you can try yeah. that probably stand if your website in general is set up pretty well are going to help boost that, that average order size and potentially your margins. So first is this, after they add something to your cart, what you do is you, you need a plugin or a developer to help you do this, but you then show them related products and you suggest you might also like this. And it's really important that the related products make sense to what they added to their cart. So if I've just added a dress to my cart, don't suggest a laptop to me. It's not yeah, a, it yeah. makes sense, right? Yeah, and totally.
1: That's Here's hilarious. how you
0: could, like, you could take this, Elisa, and make it so that you're suggesting items that you know internally mm-hmm. have a higher profit margin to you, the business owner. Right. So that's one way you could tweak it so that then, especially if you're the dress that I just added to my cart is a really low profit margin item for you, well, then you suggest to me a hat, a handbag, whatever shoes that have higher profit margins to you. And that makes mm-hmm. sense with that dress. So that's number one. But you can do this same tactic on the checkout page. And what you do is they've made it to checkout. And one really cool thing that you can do is, let's say you have a shipping minimum, Mm -hmm. which a lot of stores do. What you do is, what I've seen happen is they'll say, all right, you're $10 away from free shipping. And they leave it at that. And they leave it up to the customer to try and figure Mm -hmm. out how to fulfill that. But what if instead you help them by saying, like, here are a few items we think you might also like to help you meet that shipping minimum. Mm -hmm. And then you aren't making them think too hard. So again, maybe you suggest some of your higher profit margin items that also make sense with what's in their cart, like at the checkout point. And then third is you can offer bundles. You'll see this a lot on Amazon, Mm -hmm. but e-com stores can do this. So if you buy the dress, Plus shoes, plus sunglasses. When you buy all three, it's $90. But if you buy them separately, it's $110, for example. Mm -hmm. And so the customer is happy because she's getting a great deal. She's getting $20. But what you are doing is maybe in these bundles, you could use it for one or two things. You could either use it to bundle in your products that have those higher profit margins for you or let's say you've got some slow movers, you've got stock in the back, you really need to offload. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a really great way to move that stock and get it out in this kind of bundle. So do those make sense? Like those are things you can do right on the website in that checkout
2: process to improve those average order values and even your profit margins. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's interesting. This is something that kind of a topic that we've been talking about a lot internally, where I think because we're in the digital space, we forget that what we are basically trying to do in the digital space is mimic the same experience that a customer would have at a brick and mortar in the digital space. So when it comes to having to meet that um, minimum shipping requirement, right? You should be doing everything that you can on your website and during that checkout experience to offer whatever you can in order to help the customer reach that. So in the same way that when you're in a store and they say like, oh, when you spend $100, you will get $25 back or whatever it is. And you go to checkout and you're at $94.97. Usually the person at checkout says, oh, you need to pay another $5.03. Here are a couple of items that I'll recommend that you can add to your order so you can get that special perk that we were talking about. And so when we don't do that, In the digital space, we're missing the mark because that's why brick and mortar stores did so well for so long, you know, prior to the pandemic and everything, they did so well for so long. Now everything's shifting into the digital, but we don't want to get rid of those little experiences that people were still having in the brick and mortar. So, so on board with what you're suggesting, because I think it makes total, total sense.
0: Mm, I love that. And if I might like just add a couple of things. Sure. Bouncing off what you said that I think will help people is we have to try in as much as possible in the digital space, make these more human connections Mm -hmm. and not assume people know what we're doing. And you just illustrated that really well, like what would a human being do in this situation? And then Mm -hmm. what, since you asked about profit margins, I believe, and I'm, I don't have the research to back this up, but I think I had heard once, a lot of times when we're checking out at the clothing store or whatever, those items that are by checkout, those point of purchase ones tend to have higher margins for the store. And that's a for lot sure. of times why they place them there, they're impulse purchases. So let's think about what you just said, Elisa. I love, like, what happens in the non digital world? How do we mimic that whole experience, that relationship right. in our digital experiences?
2: Yeah for sure. And it's like the, we brought this example up a few weeks ago, one of our account managers internally was like, Sephora and like Ulta, they always get me because as you're checking out, you have that huge little like rack section of all like the minis and the samples and the products that they're trying to push on you right in the center there. And then you end up spending like another 50 bucks on just these random little nonsense items that you're like, ah, oh, they totally got me at checkout. You, know? you went in to get your big products, but then you basically get swamped with with all these little things that really catch your attention as you're checking out. And then your, your order value ends up being so much higher. So trying to do that in the digital space as well is yeah, but I love that the human connection is what sometimes people really miss out on in the digital space. So it's definitely major key when it comes to doing these things. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. You reminded me of something I want to share in case it just inspires people listening. One of the things that Alta will do, and I think Sephora at times, This can help with increasing that average order value. Is they'll take a higher ticket item. And if you look, say, on a product listing page, so we're not on the individual product page, but you're on the product listing page, they'll flag certain products to say, like gift with purchase. If you go and you look at this product, and this could help you potentially move a product that has a Mm -hmm. higher profit margin. It's another method that I had forgotten about that you can utilize to help get people. To buy something that's pricier, give them a the gift yep. with purchase. Like mimic what these stores like Sephora and Alta are doing and bring them yep. into your own site. But make sure people know it. Make sure they see that on the category listing page, right? Like there's mm-hmm. some little
2: flag that says gift with purchase. And then on the product page itself, make it super obvious. Yeah, I love that. So definitely a ton of a ton of tricks that you can do. So Reese, a couple more questions just to end off our, our interview today, which thank you so much for being on here because you've provided a ton of tremendous insight. Like I mentioned before, my notebook page. Is like all these like little notes and arrows yeah. and pointing and I'm like do this now do that this client this 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 it's like all over the place but what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out with building their own website like what's like the number one thing that you would say is a really good starting point or a really good thing to keep at the forefront of their mind as they're building their website
0: mm, it's hard to pick just one mm. so I would say don't overcomplicate things don't pick a theme just because you think it looks fancy or like something a fashion designer would choose, like we talked about in the beginning.
2: Mm -hmm. Look up
0: those theme reviews, see what people are saying about its speed and usability. But what I would say is equally as important, if not more, is don't rush in to just getting all the website up if you have not spent your time researching and understanding your customer from the start. And if you're new and that's scary, it's fine if you evolve this as you go, as what you if what you learn about your customer changes as you go. But with every decision you make on your website, your emails, your visuals, your copywriting, your social media posts, ask yourself this, is this decision about me and what I think looks cool or fancy or fun or it sounds good? Or is this about my customer and what she needs to know to feel connected to my products
2: and eventually buy from me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Very sound, wise advice. Reese, thank you so, so much for joining us today. One of the things that we like to end off whenever we have an interview, where can our listeners find you? And guys, just for those of you who are listening, we'll have all the links in the description below, but we like to hear it from our guests directly. Where's the best place for them to find you if they want more info on you, things that you're doing, any courses that you may have up and running for them to kind of participate in? What's the best method?
0: I would love it if they reach out to me on my website because I have a free gift for them that I think they might like,
2: if that's okay, Elisa. Love it. Totally love it. Absolutely. That's what we're all about is trying to give freebies to our listeners. So we're on board with that. (laughs) Well, and we (laughs) talked about that a bit in
0: this conversation, like give people Mm -hmm. an incentive. Why should they? So the reason why is I have 10 website mistakes that are losing you leads and sales Mm -hmm. and how to fix them fast. Some of them we covered, but there's more that we didn't. And you can get that at Design by Reese dot com forward slash fixes fixes f-i-x-e-s yeah super short and easy and i would love it if people once they grab this freebie and they get some Mm -hmm. value and uh, education from it if they reach out to me and they reply i reply to every email i
2: receive sincerely so awesome yeah i'd love to talk with you Amazing. 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 Well, Reese, thank you again so, so much. This has been awesome. And you've been just a joy to chat with. And we had a blast chatting with you before the podcast. Anyway, and we were laughing, <laughs> laughing it up and everything. So really, really appreciate it. And thank you again so much.
0: Thank you so much too. It was an honor to be here and I really appreciated this conversation.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends because this would mean the world to us. And if you want to get involved in a community of awesome e-commerce email marketers and entrepreneurs, just join us at flowiumcom community. And definitely come back next Tuesday because next Tuesday we'll have a very special guest with us we'll have Marcus Sheridan famous author and uh, businessman and entrepreneur who basically knows how to revolutionize your business through the they ask you answer method and he did it with his own business he created number one ranked website in his industry and he will teach you how to do the same so definitely come back next Tuesday thank you for being with us and we